This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann. I am at Otago Polytechnic in Dunedin, and I am joined from elsewhere in Dunedin by Clinton Chambers. Kia ora, Clinton. Uh, Kia ora, Samuel. How has your bubble life been? Uh, Well, we kind of really haven't had a bubble uh, here in Dunedin uh, ever since lockdown uh, when we broke the bottle bubble. Sorry, after lockdown, uh, it's been pretty good plain sailing life living and doing all the things that we enjoy so we're very very fortunate so where are you calling from um so i'm calling from taste nature organic supermarket in dunedin uh basically we are uh, offer a whole range of organic products uh from produce dairy grocery right up to um, cleaning products, body care, health care, uh, and we also have a cafe, organic cafe, which is the only certified 100% gluten-free cafe in New Zealand. So we're all about health. What got you into that? Uh, a bit of an accident, really. I wasn't planning on it. Uh, <laughs> a friend asked me to uh, join her um, in purchasing taste nature when it was up for sale three years ago and we kind of once the ball started rolling the momentum gathered and we just ended up going for it so uh yeah so it definitely wasn't planned but uh certainly it's been massive uh learning curve and um an amazing experience to have to own a business like this one and did you stay open during the lockdown We did. We did. We certainly were providing essential services, Uh, although the authorities did attempt to close us down, but uh, we had to take a stance against that and, um, you know, fight for our customers who uh, were just so extremely grateful that we were able to continue trading during lockdown. Yeah, yes, we did. And that was an experience in itself. I imagine when they said that the supermarkets were essential they had in mind the big chains that's exactly right they did and they considered us not a supermarket however they probably didn't quite understand our business that well and if you look at what the range of products that we do have uh, we're certainly up there like the we're probably on a par with like four squares those sorts of uh, grocery stores smaller um, but certainly provide a, a range of specialized products so what were the challenges in opening during the lockdown and staying open 
Sorry, just dropped my microphone there. Uh, the, the big challenge is, um, I think, not knowing what we were getting into. And I think, well, I think the world was at that um, in that situation. And so I think that the biggest challenge was the uncertainty, not knowing what was going to happen, not knowing if we were able to get product um, and not knowing who was available. Yeah, there were so so many unknown factors that we, you just had to sort of get on with it and, and model your way through. And initially, we opened uh, the doors and had customers in the in the shop. Um, but we were finding that we were getting swamped with online orders and the staff needed space within the shop to pack um, the orders. And we were finding it was getting really difficult for staff to get around the shop while maintaining social distancing. And we were, during the early days there, I think when people weren't used to sitting at home, uh, a lot were coming out just for the for a retail experience, so to speak, because we were obviously one of the very few shops that were open. And so the shop was getting busy. Um, we had to have uh, someone on the door to uh, manage the amount of people coming in and coming and going. So it was all getting a bit too hard. The staff were getting a bit stressed. Again, nobody really knew anything much about COVID back then. Um, so I decided to shut the store to the public and just do door sales. And that enabled us to have our own bubble, our work bubble. And that was actually turned out to be fantastic. So we were, so, and by that stage, our online orders were going through the roof. And literally within 24 hours, we'd turned from a supermarket into a distribution center. So we, you know, moved tables around, um, had set up sections, uh, packing sections, and uh, outward goods sections. Um, so it turned into this massive, well-oiled machine um, that was, you know, orders were coming in one end, and the products were going out the other end. So much so, I ended up having to employ four full-time staff to help keep up with demand. Uh, we were, and it, it was just crazy, but like we, from the moment we started work, which was, you know, 8.30, some nights we were working through till 9.30, uh, still, you know, sorting, dispatching orders, because uh, we also did our own deliveries. So we were delivering around Dunedin. Uh, we had two people on the, in, in trucks and cars and run around Dunedin delivering boxes. Uh, so it was certainly an experience. Um, also, you know, not knowing what product we could get. So we were constantly winging it uh, for supply from our suppliers um, and making things up as we went along, basically. Were the supplies affected? Well, we basically got cleaned out during the panic buying uh, phase. Uh, and credit to our suppliers, they were pretty good and able to maintain supply. We were actually really in a good position to be able to get probably 90% of the product. All the, the, the fresh stuff that was coming locally, that, that all hung together? Yeah, well, because the irony was that a lot of the uh, fresh produce um, suppliers supply restaurants and cafes, so that had completely dropped out, and we were actually we were able to take up that extra um, 
loss that they had and take that stock. So it actually worked out really well for them. And the, the longer chains, they all hung together as well? Yeah, yeah. They, um, I mean, the, our major suppliers, you know, I mean, they've got warehouses full of stock. So we kind of, during it, from the panic buy towards the end of lockdown, their, their warehouse supplies that really were running dry. Um, but during that time, they were able to get more shipments coming in. So, yeah. Yeah, it was, you know, it was a hit and miss situation, um, but we got through it. And also, I think part of uh, our bubble, I mean, for me, it was important that the staff maintained good health, um, you know, because we are a health store. So during the lockdown period, the cafe was closed and uh, I brought in a chef uh, who would make uh, a fresh lunch for the staff every day. You know, it was all fully organic, plant-based food. Uh, so everybody, it was important for me that everybody ate well. And we also uh, provided a range of herbal medicines and teas for the staff uh, to keep the immunity up. Uh, so yeah, yeah. By the end of it, we'd kind of sort of become a bit closer and um, appreciative of each other's company, and uh, we're really getting on really well towards the end. There, we kind of missed it after it's actually it was, yeah. <laughs> we, we, we always have fond memories of that time because we'll never have it again. Well, fingers Hopefully. Let's take the first of your music tracks. Let's have Porter's Head, Glory Box. Why this one? Uh, you know, this is such a, I think it's a 1990s song. And, um, you know, music holds a lot of memories for me. And this one always brings up this sort of, it's like, I feel like I'm in a film noir um, movie where it's sort of it's dark, it's mysterious, it's seductive, um, and and sultry. So I was feeling a little bit sultry this morning. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. 
So, Clinton, Taste Nature essential during the lockdown. How did you reopen? Well, you're open, sort of, during the lockdown, very busy. Yep, and uh, so then that was uh, level level one, wasn't it? Um, and then level two came and... It's other way. Of, it, oh, other it was, way. It was the other okay, way, wasn't it? Was <laughs> yeah, 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 sorry. And... Um, it was it was probably it was quite hard initially uh, when we um, was it dropped down to level three was it yeah and um, we still hadn't opened the cafe people were flooding back in but still very very apprehensive so um, a lot of you know things probably took longer because of social distancing um, and then level four came and then we opened the cafe and people started trickling back in so it probably took a good four weeks um, after coming out of lockdown for, you know, to, things to become steady again. Uh, however, since then, we've sort of gone from strength to strength. So I think what, what we've noticed here at Taste Nature, first and foremost, is that what lockdown did for a lot of people was make them rethink about their health. And, you know, for some reason, it also made people think about the environment and so they were sort of connecting their lifestyle with how they consumed uh, how they ate what sort of products they bought so people I think what we were seeing is people more discerning about where they were going to spend their money so we actually since lockdown we've experienced growth uh, purely from that perspective where people are looking for something different now they're looking for they want to be involved in more uh, sorry uh, when I say more involved they sort of want to be part of a system that's sustainable mm -hmm. and not just um, you know sort of use and abuse resources and a bit more mindful I think that's what we're looking for um, we've noticed a lot more of that a lot more people who wouldn't, wouldn't normally shop here have been coming in more out of curiosity um because it's quite a big store so there's um and it's it's a huge range of specialist products that so we notice a lot more people coming in and just browsing and taking it in on the types of alternative products that are that are available to them now so we're just pretty much yeah so since then we've been going from strength to strength do you think those and consumer driven do you think those changes in behavior will stick well, it's been over a year now and we haven't seen a decline so i think it i feel it probably will become the new normal uh in years to come and especially with the younger generation uh so yeah i do what does that what are you hoping for in terms of that that new normal people variously calling it a reset and an opportunity for a for a rethink well, I mean, it can only bring good things uh, for the planet and for our health. So, I mean, it, it, if anything, it should be should be like a, a wake up call for humanity uh, that we need to start seriously taking climate change uh, into account uh, into our daily lives and take it more seriously. Uh, and I mean, there's a lot of power with the consumer; they have a, a lot of power to change things. So. And it only and it starts as an individual. So each individual can make a difference. And then when you get a collective of individuals 
working together towards a common goal, that in itself, that momentum has a lot of power for change. And it's something that is much needed right now. And you've developed a new product. Yes, and I suppose you could say one of the things that came out of that uh, was uh, our new product, which we've just launched, uh, called the Real Meal Box. And uh, the the motivation for me for the Real Meal Box is, is a statement of environmental sustainability and health. So the concept is basically it's uh, a recipe and well, it's kind of like a version of my food bag, but our version is organic, gluten-free, 100% plant-based and 100% plastic-free. So we've launched with what we call the standard uh, recipe box, uh, which involves, it's just one recipe in the box, but it, um, the small size um, comes with, uh, can provide meals for four people. So we also want to look at, it's very important to us that we kind of look at this version of the box as an entry level for people who wouldn't normally have organics or a plant-based meal in their diet. So we kind of want to make it affordable and accessible to people, but yet it has to be obviously tasty and healthy and nutritious at the same time. So we pitched the price point for our small uh, standard meal box at $40, which works out uh, around $10 a meal. Uh, which for a fully organic uh, recipe meal, we feel that's that's a good price point. Uh, it's obviously not cheap, but uh, it's not too expensive either. Uh, so we're working around using the range of ingredients that we sell in the shop. So these are ingredients, what we call whole foods, uh, that we want you know people to experiment a bit more with whole foods because uh, because we are quite a specialist store the products that we do have, a lot of people don't understand them or don't know you know, how to work with them, how you cook with them, uh, what they taste like. So the meal box is kind of a way to get people to try these ingredients that they wouldn't normally try uh, and to be a bit adventurous. Um, but at the same time, you know, good food shouldn't come at a cost of the environment. So the supply chain for all the ingredients uh, organic, uh, which means that they are produced sustainably they, um, you know, it's all about. They focus on organics, focuses on soil health, and uh, there's no chemical inputs or the form of agriculture isn't uh, degrading to the environment in any way. So, so it's kind of a, a bundle of goodness in many ways. How are you avoiding the million bits of packaging? So, because we we have a bulk refill section at Taste Nature. Uh, the ingredients aren't in packaging or the dry ingredients aren't in packaging. Uh, for the wet ingredients, we're using home compostable pouches, which are waterproof uh, or watertight rather, and and fresh produce. And so dry ingredients are, are wrapped in brown paper bags, home compostable uh, packaging for the wet ingredients and fresh produce, which is unwrapped. And then it's all wrapped in a box with paper. So after you've eaten, you know, or cooked the recipe, you could literally put all the everything into the home compost. Uh, besides uh, tins, that would be the only thing that would be recyclable if we um, put into the 
into the box. And do, uh, yeah. do, do you have a chef or how, how are you coming up with the meals and, and, and so we, yeah, so we, cause we have a cafe, we have an in-house, uh, I wouldn't say chef, but a cook, um, who is designing the menus, testing the menus and, uh, coming up with the concepts, uh, for, you know, f- uh, future recipes and stuff like that. So yeah, it's all done in-house. We're doing it all ourselves. And part of the sustainability, but also part of the fact that you're using lots of fresh stuff is that it has to be seasonal. So it's, yes. It you, you're, you're looking ahead to what's going to be available next week and basing the recipes on yeah. that? Yeah. So as, as simple as it sounds, it's actually extremely challenging working with seasonal product. Uh, it's not as easy as some people think. And also with organics, you know, it's very... Um, at the whim of, of the weather. Uh, so if we get, if one of our local growers gets a bad frost, we may not have a certain ingredient. So, so we're up against sort of what you could say the natural forces of nature trying to prepare or create these amazing recipes. But there's uh, so many sort of um, moving goalposts that you just don't, you know, you take it week by week basically. Because you, if you plan too far ahead, everything can change in an instant. So it's extremely challenging. But this is sort of how food should be approached. Um, not, you know, with agribusiness tends to force uh, or treat food as a commodity. So it just goes in and, and creates what it needs to create. But we're doing it the other way around where we're working with nature and um and just sort of grateful whatever we can get. <laughs> Have you had to do any last-minute changes? The the price of cauliflower spiked a couple of weeks ago, tripled overnight, and and then it came back down again. Is that you know? Are you, are you being flexible around those sorts of things? I think no. Well, I haven't heard that. I mean, things with, with organics that you tend to, you know, you get what you get. So. Um, if we know we because we have good relationships with our growers so we'll say to a grower, well how much say for example cauliflower have you got and they will tell us that's this is how much i got this is what you're going to get and that's it and so and then whatever that price will be um so we kind of don't work a lot in those fluctuations mm-hmm. of demand and price spikes uh, because we kind of know what we're working with uh, and, and forecast. So we haven't got that. It's more just seasonal events um, or sometimes you just get a bad crop. So what's your favourite box been so far? That's a hard one because they're all kind of really good. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a hard one. I think I kind of just, I just enjoy getting something different every week. And you, how, how much thought goes into the the designing the the recipe and the ins- the instructions because you have to make them me proof exactly and it's a lot of work it is a lot of work just making it um, and hence why we've kind of launched with a standard range which we call it's kind of a basic recipe basic ingredients uh, so we can to give us an opportunity to develop and get better at those. And then eventually, in a few months, we will then move to a premium range, which will probably be three recipes in, in one box. 
um, but it's it's a, it is a lot of work involved, and as you say, creating the recipes so they're very very simple to follow. Yeah, because there is nothing more annoying than it saying use the second half of a measure of this and you've used it all in something else because it didn't say you only use half of it. <laughs> yeah, I've heard, of, heard those stories, yeah. So we, we will pre-mix a lot of ingredients, dry ingredients. So uh, if there's a mix that can all go in together, we will obviously pre-mix those. So obviously we also want to reduce the amount of packaging uh, in the box. So if, if things can be combined, we will do that. We'll try and aim to do that more. Uh, than having separate bags for separate ingredients. I like that notion that you've got that it is a a way into something that's challenging. That you, you're making something, you know, a, a sustainable and healthy thing. You're taking away the barriers to actually doing those things. Yes, uh, yeah, because as humans, the least barriers to to get to something, that, you know, it's like the the path of water will take the path of least resistance. So I think humans operate in the same way. Um, so yes, we want to try and make it as easy as possible, but also retain flavour because you know at the end of the day, at the end of the meal or end of the cooking process, you want a tasty meal. Uh, so that's also one of the driving factors too: how to make it simple yet tasty. So do we? order them or do, you, do we come into the shop and buy them how, how do we get them uh currently you order them uh, through our website uh there is on our website under boxes uh is the page for ordering those and the recipes are up there for current week and next week and uh so you could order online and we can get them for Dunedin residents uh but we can courier all around the south island overnight uh, North Island, probably two days. Uh, or you can just pop into the shop and order them over the counter. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokadui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. Kia ora koutou, namahi aroha nui, kia koutou, kotahuaho. I hope you're all having the best day, beautiful superstars, in your beloved universes. We hope, wherever you are, whatever's happening around this journey, all Omtik is proving to be. Very rewarding, very sustaining, and illuminating for you more and more each day. Who you are, a triumph of nature's perfect, unique, and here making them thank you. So I know that for all of us, we've been through so many shifts and changes over the last more than a year as we've been dealing with the global pandemic. And I think for us as a species, we're constantly looking for meaning and patterns and ways of understanding the world around us and what is taking place. I think we're also always longing for a sense of who we are, where we fit into this bigger picture and in this quest for a greater awareness of our own role and ability and gifts and unique ways of being, doing, seeing, feeling. We can go in so many different directions with this quest for knowledge and and that innate curiosity that we all possess manifests and will manifest as diversely as we do. So I really hope that for you, over the last several months, you've had the opportunity to really follow your own curiosity and your own questioning when it comes forward. Of course, we live in a time now where, where we, around the world, a lot of us are so lucky that we have access to technology that enables us to learn more about the world can very easily 
Google things, of course, and things up. And this has only been in the last several years that we've had this kind of technology. And it's brought so many changes about, of course, in our culture. I find it fascinating and I find it very enriching to be able to delve into all the different aspects of our, our human story. But also, of course, in my role at my beloved heart's home, Orokunui Eco Sanctuary, to be able to learn more and teach more about our precious native species and the living world itself. Of course, this is only one way to feel that connection and to know that that connection is there. And beyond quantifying and naming and observing, of course there is just the ability to enjoy our shared presence, our shared spaces, our shared being together and move from a sense of being separate and being different to being one and being the same and being... I've really enjoyed hearing lots of stories over the last few days, catching up with lots of my dear friends and hearing about various other people's adventures and particularly hearing about our fascination with animals and with other life. And of course we are animals and as a species we are fascinated by other animals and we love connecting with them and watching them and co-evolving with all life in an infinite web. But Having that opportunity to share space with them and care for them is a wonderful, wonderful privilege. I, of course, am very lucky to have Quiro and Hastings, the cats, but I've been really enjoying hearing stories about all the various pets that people have had and the connections that they've had. And then, of course, those encounters in, in wild space, which I really enjoy at Otokunui, having birds come, come close to us and see us and observe us. So I really hope that for you, whatever connections you're making and whatever space you're finding those connections in, they're giving you a sense of your free and wild and real, raw, true nature that we are constantly observing and aware of the world around us. And this is an innate curiosity and a innate, an innate desire to adventure and evolve and learn more. And I think this will always be with us and whatever is happening around us and whatever shifts and changes are there, I think this is an important aspect for us to acknowledge and to celebrate. And I'll look forward to talking to you again. Thanks so much. Kakiti. You're listening to Blowing Bubbles. We're talking with Clinton Chambers. Clinton, we've seen lots of societal change as a result of the, the pandemic. What do you think is going to stick and what do you hope will stick? Uh... I think, I think, yeah, I think people or consumers are becoming more aware uh, and more discerning about the products that they buy, and uh, more interested on where it's coming from. Uh, so those are the biggest things that I've seen uh, being working in the store. And so for me, it's about sort of capturing that momentum and building on it and hence why i sort of created the mailbox because i felt that's you know if that's where consumers consumerism is moving then i want to be part of that movement and i want to be able to be there up front with the type of products that that movement is moving towards if that makes sense uh so it's kind of about being ahead of the game but also observing where that um 
you know, where those trends are happening or spiking and uh, ensuring that I, I can be there to supply uh, to feed that demand, but also be an inspiration for other businesses to follow and provide, you know, similar services or similar products. Because again, it's, you know, if we're all working together, we can all be part of the change together. It seems to me that your approach is aligned with transition town type thinking, the thinking of let's get on with living a better life. And we don't, we're not trying to convince anybody that this is that, that they should stop doing this thing. We're providing, we're, live, we're getting on with living this alternative and, and not focusing on the, the negative aspects. Yeah, yes, yeah. I suppose that's that's sort of my thinking. I am the type of person that just gets on with it. Um, you know, I'm not sort of out to get attention or or make myself rich from it. Um, I just want to see the world. I want to leave when I yeah. I want to leave this world in a better state than when I arrived, and that's important to me. And I'm sort of probably the type of person that just leads by example. Like if I'm want change then i have to be part of that change and um and if you by being in in the system and part of that change you kind of inspire other people and that's where when you inspire other people that's where you sort of gain momentum and uh, things start to shift but yeah i'm just the type of person that just gets on with it and if, if people want to join me then all the more the, the merrier but being part of the system, particularly the food system, and being at that 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 centre point, because you know we've we've heard so much that people don't know where the food comes from; it just comes from the supermarket. It's a really important point of leverage. The, the actions that you take have a, a huge multiplier effect. Yeah, and I also believe that if you want to change the system, you have to be in the system. You know, you've got to change it from inside out, not come in from the outside in, because then you just come up against, um, you know, barriers and challenges. So if you're, if you, and it's, and it's possible, even though sometimes systems are corrupt and broken, you still can find a space there to hold integrity uh, within that system and act accordingly. Um, yeah. So you don't have to always be influenced by the system if you're in it, no, no matter how negative it is. Let's squeeze in the second of your music choices. Let's have Ed Sheeran, I See Fire. Why this? Uh, well, first of all, I'm a Lord of the Rings fan. And secondly, if I could sing and play the guitar, <laughs> this is what I would like to sound like. Oh, misty eye of the mountain below Keep careful watch of my brother's souls And should the sky be filled with fire and smoke Keep watching over during sun This is to end in fire Then we should all burn together Watch the flames climb high Into the night Calling out Father Oh, stand by and we will Watch the flames burn over and on Mountainside 
we should die tonight, then we should all die together. Raise a glass of wine for the last time. Calling out, Father, oh, hold fast, and we will watch the flames burn on and on the mountainside. Desolation comes upon the sky. Now I see fire inside the mountains. I see fire burning the trees, and I see fire hollowing souls. I see fire blood in the change do you think we can take any lessons from how we've responded to the pandemic for those bigger sorts of questions like climate change or or social injustice or biodiversity uh i mean climate change is sort of what is the overarching motivator for me um and in regards to social justice interestingly I also feel that's 
another part of the organisation that we'd like to explore. Um, so much so, I've, I'm in the process of registering as a charitable trust and launching a, a social enterprise. Because uh, for the social justice component, I've always felt, you know, organics, because it's done the natural way, it's more expensive than your conventional um, uh, food products. And I feel because of that, organics has become a little bit elitist uh, and it's it's only for those people who can afford it. So for me, it's a shame because the people that probably need organics more are the ones that can't afford it. So the social enterprise uh, that I'm establishing is to look at how we can bring organic food to, to people who, who need it the most and who usually can't afford it. Uh, because organic food, although it's produced sustainably, um, also has health benefits. And when I say organic, we're talking whole foods, unprocessed, unrefined, no chemical additives, uh, all natural, high nutrient density. Uh, so it would be a great uh, vision of mine, it would be a great dream of mine to have more people eating organics because they uh, because, can, because they can have access to it. Um, and why we see food, why conventional food is so cheap, uh, because it's mass produced, uh, they use chemicals, uh, and it, it's just that whole system, uh, you know, because it, it's what we're looking at is the true, what organics does is provide the true cost of agriculture. Mm -hmm. That's why it's expensive. When you start using all those other uh, ingredients to make your food grow faster and keep out pests, then that obviously brings the cost down. But we see that cost on the environment and our health. So, yeah. Cool. So I have some questions to end the show with and not very much time, so we shall have to rattle. What is the biggest success you've had in the last year or two? I think surviving COVID, that's I have to say. And, you know, keeping uh, keeping the staff, um, nobody lost their jobs because of it. Yeah, I would have to say that. We're writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. It's our team of people doing good work. So you are in that team. What's the superpower that got you into the mansion? Um, someone who gives a shit. That would look good on a cape. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or on my tombstone. He gave a shit for our environment and our people. <laughs> so do you consider yourself to be an activist? Yes and no. I'm probably a passive activist if there's such a thing. I, I'm just I'm not the type to stand uh, in a protest line with a placard. Uh, where I'm, I rather consider myself someone who works in the background and and makes has influence and makes changes in the background. More subtle approach than an offensive approach. So, what motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Uh, the fact that I know that choices that I make today or every day can make a change and make this world a better place. It's, and it just comes down to simple choices, daily choices. And what challenge are you looking forward to in the next year or two? Challenges. Uh, well, we've got to get boxes um, 
up and running and the next uh, challenge or next phase or project I'm working on is a health centre. Uh, so we'll provide a full suite of uh, natural health products and advice. Cool. And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? Uh, advice, it's such a hard one. It's, uh, I don't tend to give advice. A friend always once said to me, advice is worth what it's, um, how it's given, which is usually free. So it's not worth a lot. Uh, but I would say just be true to yourself and strive to be a good person because that has impact on the people around you. Thank you very much for joining me. Uh, Thank you for inviting me, Samuel. to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We broadcast every Monday, Wednesday and Friday afternoons at 3 at Otago Access Radio and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. We had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. This is Formulas and Nature. I'm Samuel Mann at Otago Polytechnic in Dunedin, and I've been joined by Clinton Chambers from Taste and Nature in Dunedin. That was Blowing Bubbles. We hope you enjoyed the show. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.